Our first reading today is coming again out of Matthew 18. We'll be in verses 21 through 35. You can find that on page 823 in your pew Bible. Hear the word of God. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wishes to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But, But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii and seized him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused, and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant! I forgave you all that debt because you had pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. The very word of God. Thank you, brother. Our New Testament epistle lesson comes from 2 Corinthians um, chapter 3. We've been kind of camping out in 2 Corinthians the last few weeks together. And Paul casts a vision for what a life of forgiveness looks like in, in the end of chapter 3 of 2 Corinthians all the way into chapter 4. If you'd like to follow along, um, you can find it on page 965 of your, of your pew Bible. But Paul speaks having having talked of the veil which Moses wore over his face, whenever Moses would spend time in the presence of God, his actual body would radiate that glory. I I can't explain it to you. Um, The closest thing I could somehow come to is some kind of radiation, but it it didn't hurt him. He just reflected that glory of God, so much so that people got uncomfortable around him. Wouldn't that be cool if, if, in a good way, people were uncomfortable by the grace that radiates from us? When we encountered them. So Moses kind of got in the habit of uh, veiling his face when he talked to other people. The problem was that then when, when uh, he didn't spend time in God's presence and his face wasn't radiant, he still put that veil on, right? And the Apostle Paul spent quite a bit of time talking about that. The hypocrisy of, of identifying yourself as one who's been in the glory of God and, and yet not being there. 
And so he, Paul casts out uh, another possibility. He says, we can live all the time with unveiled faces, living before the glory of God and radiating that glory back to the world. He continues in, at beginning in verse 18 of chapter 3. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, that image of Jesus, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And therefore, having this ministry, remember that ministry from last week, the ministry of reconciling the world to God, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. In this, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves. That's where, that's where Moses struggled. But Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of the darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We, we have this treasure in, in jars of clay, right? Jars like this one, right? So that the greatness of the power may be of God and not of ourselves. And not of ourselves. The very Word of God. Thank you, God. Thank you. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like a clay vessel, right? And life has a way of shattering us, doesn't it? Life has a way of breaking even our, our greatest illusions about ourselves. And we go, now what, God? I know now what. I get the wrath of Marianne for breaking one of her pots. But God, can you put this back together? Can you, Mark, would you try and do that for me before the end of the service? Buddy, would you? You don't. You can't. You can't. But I know one who can. Yeah, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the greatness of the power may be of God. Don't mourn the earthen, earthen vessel. Rejoice that the God who puts broken pieces back together is here with us now. We won't be having a service of kneeling after the, uh, after the service today, but um, Lord willing, we'll have a service of joy as you experience Christ putting back together your brokenness. It's so, so fun to um, study the life of Peter, isn't it? And, 
and here at the beginning of our passage today to, to see Peter try to wrap his brain around the overwhelming love of God shown in the forgiveness that he had poured out. Now, this is still before God's greatest example of forgiveness would be poured out on Peter. But he's trying to wrap his brain around this, right? And so, so having understood Jesus, uh, his invitation to begin to forgive people, even as we have been forgiven, then Peter got kind of bold. And he, and he said, uh, he said, uh, well, Jesus, how many times should I forgive my brother? Right. Uh, seven times. Right. And whether you understand it as 70 times seven or 77 times, Peter says, or Jesus says, Peter, you're just beginning to scratch the surface of this amazing forgiveness of God. I don't know about you, but I want to go there. I need that kind of forgiveness. Not only for myself, but for the relationships that I'm in, so that I can receive it and offer it as well. Here's the problem. There's trouble with forgiveness, right? Uh, We're going to go deep into that in our Matthew passage today. There's trouble with forgiveness. It's easy to proclaim the virtue of it, and probably all of us in some small way have have received that forgiveness and felt that little bit of a rush that, that, uh, that comes when you are set free by someone else when you're set free from the brokenness and the pain that you have experienced or that you have caused. But it's another matter, C.S. Lewis says, it's another matter when, when we have something to forgive, right? Forgiveness is beautiful word, C.S. Lewis says, until you have something to forgive. Why is it? Why is it that it's so hard to forgive, right? Well, forgiveness is very... Simple, but that doesn't mean that it's easy, right? Forgiveness is is difficult, I'm going to suggest to you, because it's not natural for us. We are broken people. We are people, yes, who have been redeemed by the blood of Christ, but until Jesus returns, still struggle with sin, still hurt one another, still are hurt by one another. And, And it's not a part of our flesh to naturally want to forgive someone. No, the natural, the natural human impulse is to get revenge, right? Instead. Forgiveness goes against the, the very grain of who we are. There was a story a long time ago about a man who was bitten by a dog. And in the days before we had these great rabies shots and those kinds of things, I had experienced that myself when I was a, a, young, a, a young boy, bitten by a dog, couldn't find the dog, had to, had to face that reality of, of the sequence of shots for rabies. But there was a day when, when rabies was a sentence of death, right? And the story goes that this man was bitten by a rabid dog and the doctor had to communicate to him that probably his life was going to end and it would be very important for him to get his his affairs in order. And the doctor left the room for a while and came back in and and the guy was writing things down furiously on a, a piece of paper. He goes, man, I'm so glad that you were writing your will. And and the man looked up in surprise. The doctor said, this isn't my will. He says, this is a list of all the people I'm going to bite before I die, right? (laughs) Forgiveness is not natural. It's not natural. What's natural is for us to bite back, right? To bite back. But forgiveness is also hard because it's not fair, right? Forgiveness without just repayment offends every aspect of our sense 
of justice. And we have, we have said before that if you ever want to see this, just look at a child. Uh, the first thing that happens, if they sense an inequity in something, they will say, that's not fair, right? That's not fair. We want to be vindicated. And forgiveness, as we've begun to understand it, is, is to surrender our rights to get even, right? To surrender our rights. Again, I, I was, I was uh, the fourth child in four years. I had three older sisters. And I've shared with you that, that, that um, I ate a lot of mud pies when I was growing up, right? And, and you've met me and my sisters, and they're sweet things, right? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Not when we were growing up. I got hit by a number 1010 of peaches once on the back of my head, thrown by my next older sister. I was, I was being strangled by my middle sister, Virginia, uh, by the side of the road in, in New Jersey uh, in an Air Force base. And the military police never came to my aid. And, and she was strangling me. And all I could say was, don't stop. Don't. And my sister goes, OK, I won't stop then. And she kept strangling me. Right. Um, I, I took it in the shorts from my sister. So I resonate when I when I hear stories of of kids uh, trying to figure out relationships together. Right. One one little boy is his sister was pulling on his hair and he was screaming bloody murder. And his mom came running into the room and, 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 and said she stopped him from pulling. He says, you have to understand that that your sister doesn't know how much that hurts. You've got to forgive her. And and. The boy said, okay, okay. And the mother went out of the room. I said, she heard this blood curdling scream again, right? She goes back in there and the boy's pulling his sister's hair out. And she says, what, what are you doing? He says, she knows how it hurts now, right? Now she knows that's, that's our sense of justice is deeply ingrained in us. And we want people to understand what we are experiencing. Well, today in our study of the book of Matthew, um, we, and also in Second Corinthians, we see that that Peter struggled with this issue of forgiveness as well. And and many of you, when you think Matthew 18, you immediately go to that three part that three part process of finding forgiveness with someone. It's a beautiful strategy in Matthew 18. I commend it to you as a way of dealing when you have been offended. But I want to go. I want to go more foundational with you today and, and, and join Peter as he listens to Jesus speak on this subject, right? What does this mean about how much I must forgive someone who has wronged me? I, I want to not talk about the process. I want to talk with you, if I can, about the motivation we saw that Peter came back and said he thought he was being generous. Peter, Peter says seven times. You have to understand that, that eight times in the first two chapters of Amos, it's very clear that God will forgive you three times, but the fourth time you're toast, according to Amos. I mean, God says eight times. For three things, I'll overlook, but the fourth one I will not overlook. So, so the people of God just kind of naturally assume that that I should forgive someone three times, right? But Peter here is, is going for glory. Peter is being amazingly generous. And he says not three times, not four, but seven. And probably in his mind, he was thinking of seven in that culture. That was kind of the, the number of perfection, of wholeness, of completeness. And, and Peter says, well, shall I forgive, shall I forgive my neighbor seven times? And, and, and Jesus comes back 
to him powerfully with a new truth. But I want to just recognize for a second that Peter's kind of making two mistakes that are easy to see, but even easier to make ourselves as well. Peter's assuming that the only issue is when your brother sins against you, right? That's when forgiveness becomes a hot topic to us, right? When someone sins against us. I don't think that he's thinking about what happens when I sin against someone else. And secondly, Peter wanted to set some kind of limit on it. So yeah, I'll be generous. Let's go seven. But boy, that eighth time, I'm calling down fire and brimstone, right? And again, he was generous for his time. But, but I believe that, that Jesus just dumbfounds Peter with his response. Not seven times. And, and your Bible might say, if you have an IV, 77 times. It just literally says 77. And, and that can mean seven plus seven or it can mean seven times seven. But the impact is the same, is it not? Have you ever forgiven someone 77 times? A couple of you are nodding your head. Yeah, Pastor Dave, I've forgiven you 77 times. Well, then go with the other one, right? We're still only on our way to 490 then. The point, I think, is that by the time you get there, it won't be about counting someone's sin against them. Love keeps no record of wrongs, right? You will be transformed. By the love and grace of God, you will be transformed into his image, and you will be able to offer that forgiveness as well. So in answering Peter's question, Jesus as you often did, tells a story, right? We, we can hear so much truth, so much quicker by the story. And in this case, it's the story of the unforgiving servant. Did you catch it? As Chris was reading it, it was going by fast. But there's some powerful things in there that, that Jesus wants us to understand. Let me, let me start here by saying what forgiveness is not, right? What forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not the same as forgetting. So many of us stumble because we think that because we remember the pain, because we remember the hurt that either that has been caused us or that we have caused, therefore then forgiveness doesn't happen. And, and no, and we've said over and over again, until that day when you stand before Jesus and he says, be glorified, in other words, be completely like me, you will remember but that doesn't mean that you have forgiven or that you can't forgive. Forgiveness is not the same as forgetting. And it's critically important that you understand that forgiveness is not saying that what happened is okay. Sin is never okay. And when someone sins against you, just because you have found the grace to forgive does not mean that you're saying that that was okay. In fact, the most loving thing that you could do is free them from whatever is causing them to hurt people like that. It is not okay. This one might be a little radical for you, but I don't think that forgiveness is, is the same as pardon either. For one thing, I don't have the power to pardon, right? I can, I have been given the power to forgive, but Oftentimes, there's natural consequences of other people's sins. Some of our brothers just got back from, from uh, ministering uh, in Wabash Prison. And, and there are people there that, that have, have 
committed crimes that have amazing consequences. And, and Mike was just sharing me, with me about one, one guy who has come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, to the grace that is his in Jesus Christ. So, so should they just let him out of the prison then? Oh, he's received the grace of Jesus. You know, no, no, there's still, there's still natural consequences. Pardon may come. Wouldn't that be awesome, Mike? Pardon may come from the Indiana Department of Corrections. But, but forgiveness can come now. Forgiveness can come now. So forgiveness is not the same as forgetting. It's not saying that the, the pain that was caused is okay. It's not the same as, as um, pardon. What forgiveness is, is, is completely different. The, the Greek word aphiemi is literally this word to set free, to let go, to release, to liberate completely, right? It was used in the secular sense in Jesus' culture as well as the spiritual sense. In the secular sense, in New Testament times, it referred to canceling a debt or releasing someone from the obligation of a contract or a promise. But but in a spiritual sense, as in the Lord's Prayer and many other places in the New Testament, it's much more personal, much more powerful. To forgive is to forfeit any right to let a perceived offense come between you and another person. I wrestled with that definition for quite a while because because, um, I I initially just said offense, but oftentimes our perception is wrong, right? And and so many times we are are hurt by something that someone did not even intend or maybe didn't even do. But if we perceive that they did, there still is the pain, right? So, so to forgive is to give up any right to let that offense come between you and someone else. Um, in my small group on Sunday mornings, um, we were challenged last week to, to think about places that God wanted us to go with forgiveness and and God raised up one for me, and I had to confess to them this morning that I could not go there this week. Um, the, um, I, I, I knew, I felt the conviction and the weight of uh, at least some level of my... Oh, please don't misunderstand me. In my mind, I have forgiven this person, right? But I confessed to you before when the way I test myself is, do I want to get in an elevator with that person, right? If you ever on an elevator with me, you know that we're like this, Okay. Um, but if I find myself not wanting to get on an elevator with someone, that's a good sign to me that there's still something there. And, and so I just, I just wrestled all week with that. Do I go back in there, God, and resurrect all that um, emotion and all that pain? Um, Christ is asking me, Dave, can you let it go? Can you forfeit the right to let that pain come between you and that other person. Is it, is, it, is it important? Yeah. It's really important. We didn't read it because the whole of, of Matthew 18 is this powerful 
um, lesson on the multifaceted aspects of forgiveness. And I would just commend it to you. If, if God raises something in your heart and mind this morning, I commend you, Matthew 18, to go back in there over this week and, and do a soap study of it little by little. Grab a bookmark if you want to understand what a soap study is. But, um, you know, take a small passage and let God speak to you. Let me just, let me just cut to the chase and say this is important right now because it matters both now and the quality of your experience of life right now, but it also lasts for eternity. And I'm oversimplifying this, but in Matthew 18, 18, Jesus says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, right? But whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So do you have a sense of the importance of forgiveness. And I love that song. I have vague memories of that song, but wow, it spoke so powerfully to this impossibility from a human perspective, but the probability from a God's perspective that you're going to find that healing. Well, let's, let's break it into two great thoughts for ourselves to try and wrap our brains around this. We have two great needs. The first, Roman numeral two here, is, is our first great need is to receive Forgiveness, and then and then later I'm just going to come back briefly and say our second great need is to extend it, okay? To receive it and to extend it. Um, Jesus tells the story there. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. Does that echo something from last week? One day we're going to stand before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, right? And 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 this issue can be compared to a king who's ready to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, talents is, is not the English word talents. It's actually a quantity uh, of uh, it's a weight, and, and they're speaking especially a weight of silver or of gold, right? Um, 10,000 in talents. And since the man could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and pay and payment to be made. Wow. This is an absolutely inconceivable, and I know this because I've been trying to wrap my brain around it for three days, an inconceivable debt, right? Here is a man who owes an enormous debt, right? We're going to see it here in just a moment, but one monetary unit for them was something called the denarii, or a singular denarius, right? That was one day's wage, one day's Wage, right? And, and, and in our culture, we can think about that one day's wage. Our minimum wage in Indiana is 7.25. Multiply that by, by eight. And you're starting to get a sense of what we're talking about here. But, um, a talent, a talent, one talent was 6,000 days wages. Now, I don't, I don't know if you can comprehend that number. And, if, and, and that number by itself is a huge number. But then what was the actual amount that he owed? 10,000 talents. Am I making that up? You're looking perplexed. That is an amazing number. Let's, let's figure out what that would be worth just today for just a second. So imagine, if you would, that uh, you don't have to imagine the minimum wage. I understand it off the internet is that it's seven twenty-five an hour. 
in Indiana, right? So, so 10,000 talents, are you ready for this? At minimum wage in Indiana is $3.6 billion. You're thinking, how in the world could that guy amass a well, a debt of $3.6 billion? Ooh, I'm so tempted to get political here. I can't resist myself. Well, think about our national debt for just a second. How's <laughs> that for spooky? That's pretty spooky, isn't it? Um, this single individual amassed a debt of $3.6 million Indiana 2018 dollars, right? And what I love about this is that he says, um, oh, oh, just let me repay you, right? How can we possibly repay a debt of $3.6 billion? I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you on the internet saw that there was no winner of a certain lottery last week, right? And what's the amount? Let me see how many people know. What's the amount? $1.6 billion, right? Does that not press your trust in Jesus, right? Um, uh, and all kinds of scriptures says don't, don't get caught up in the tyranny of that stuff, right? But you're starting to think, that is an, that is an amazing number, right? right? That is an absolutely astounding number. I cannot even count that high. I had to look this up, right? Um, if I were to count to a million, that would be 11 days, right? If I were to try and count at a normal rate to a billion, that would take me 11,574 days, right? So, so just counting that much, just counting, much less having it. Do you get a, do you get an idea of the inconceivable death that this... And, and, and I'm going to have to go there because I'm, if I run out of time, I do not want to miss this point. That's where we are with God. That's where we are with God. Now, you said, come, come on. I, I live better than most of the people I know, right? But, but see, God doesn't have a scale where with these sins, they're okay or they're less impactful, right? But those, ooh, watch out for those, right? Those are bad because we all go... Um, the bad ones are the ones I don't do. And, and right now the Holy Spirit is prompting me of, of, the, of the good ones, good sins that don't, you know, God must look away the other way. Oh, I understand completely. I understand completely how I could rack up a debt like that. Here's the good news. He forgave it. He forgave it. The debt, the guy said, I'm going to try and earn, and, and just like the, like the younger son is going to come back and earn somehow the third of his father's estate that he spent. He says, I'm just going to try and fix this, right? I'm going to try and work this off. And, and that impossibility escapes him, but, but the master forgives. Do you know the, the grace of God, this inconceivable grace of God that would overcome Such a debt as yours. I'm going to call it an undeserved grace, right? So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I'll pay you everything. And out of, and and, and ESV says pity. The the word is compassion. And I love that because the master entered into his suffering. He had compassion. He entered into his suffering and, 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 and said, no, I'm going to forgive all of that. 
I'm going to forgive all of that debt. I want to note real quickly that there was nothing that that servant did to deserve that. It wasn't about um, him or his character or his actions. It was about the character and nature of the master that forgave all that sin. So the master forgave his servant out of compassion for him and his family. And beloved, we have to find ourselves in this story. Like all the stories of Jesus, we have to find ourselves. We must see ourselves in this story if we're going to be able to be helped by this parable. We have to understand that the sum of our offenses against God through all the years constitutes this kind of debt, an inconceivable debt. Our rebellions, our selfishness, our our thoughts, our willful actions, the hurt that we cause others, our pride, our anger, our lust. I could go on all day here just describing myself. All of these things add up to a staggering debt that I and we cannot pay. And again, that's why the grace of God is so beautiful. So beautiful this morning. And if you hear nothing else, understand that that undeserved grace is available to you today. Today. Because I suspect that you're like me. You've done something to someone or someone has done something to you and you can neither forgive nor even find the wherewithal to ask forgiveness. Jesus invites you to stop. Stop where you are. Take note of this. If something has come to your mind, then make this commitment. Go to that person. Be reconciled to that person. Let me ask you, is there anyone you need to go to this week? You've got to put this into practice. Is there anyone you need to call? Someone you need to make an appointment with? Is there anyone you need to go? Our first and great need is to receive forgiveness and we will be shackled the rest of our life if we refuse to ask for it but our second need our second great need here is to extend that forgiveness to others but when the servant went out he found one of his fellow servants what did what did you say james when you were reading it this morning he said and he throttled him right is that what he said james he grabbed him by the throat right he choked him saying Pay what you owed. And it was not insignificant. By the same standard, the minimum, Indiana um, minimum wage, it was upwards of $5,600 by today's standard. That's not an uh, insignificant amount. But compared to what the guy owed, it, it is, I figured it out, it is one thousandth of, less than one thousandth of a percentage point of, of what the servant owed him, but he throttled him. He grabbed him by the neck and strangled him. It's interesting that when we need forgiveness ourselves, we want mercy, but when it comes to others, we want justice. Let me say that again. When we need forgiveness ourselves, we want mercy. Can I get an amen? I need mercy. But when it comes to others, we want justice instead. You would have expected that a guy who had received so much forgiveness would go out and joyfully share that experience with others. But no, instead he arrested the man who owed him for a much smaller amount and threw him into a debtor's prison. 
So there's obviously something wrong with this man's heart. And that, the heart, our heart, my heart, your heart, is the emphasis of this whole story for Jesus, right? That's the emphasis of it. The man demanded payment, but he had no, he had a legal right to do it, but he had no moral right to do it. It's impossible to receive forgiveness gratefully and from one end and refuse to offer it vengefully to another. But secondly, the man was building something, and the Kairos guys are very familiar with this because they have several stories in their experience that talk about the things we build around us, thinking that we're protecting ourselves, but actually imprisoning ourselves. We make a prison of our own making, right? When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. They went and reported to their master all that had taken place, and the master came back. And said, you wicked servant. And he threw him back into jail and, 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 and removed from him the grace that had been granted him. And I guess what I'm trying to say here is the consequence of failure to forgive is that the servant was thrown back into prison. A prison of his own making. His own making, right? And the reason I'm so frustrated is because I do this all the time. I create my own prison. But the, as they pointed out in our study this morning, the, the blast zone of his sin fell on his family and those around him as well. As well. We will forgive. I want to make a, a, a summary statement. We will forgive to the same extent that we understand how much we are forgiven. Oh, I'm tempted, just like you, to say that that God has created kind of a works mentality here, that, that we have to forgive others. And, and if we do, if we forgive, then we will, we will be forgiven. And it's easy to understand that. We pray in the Lord's Prayer just a few moments ago. Forgive me my sins as I have also forgiven the sins of other people. But what we miss in that is the secret that so many of you discovered today. And that is that it's only when you understand God's forgiveness that you find the power to forgive. It's only when you receive that grace that you can offer it to someone else. Let me say this as strongly as I know how. The world's worst prison is not San Quentin 